Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church planner, this is Pete Mitchell, and this is Peyton Jones. Oh, we just had to restart the podcast because I just was an idiot. And <laughs> like I said, my whole life is about going for the joke. Like when the joke is there, I have to go for it. And we unfortunately, were ten seconds in, ten I seconds know. in, and the referee flag flew up. I know. Nope. I was, yeah, <laughs> like I knew this. Like the second it birthed in my head, I was like. Oh, we're restarting the podcast because I have to say this. So, yeah. Anyway, I, I'm sorry uh, if you're new to the podcast and have no idea what just happened. Um, that's just part of the beauty of the Church Planner podcast. We have this little thing called Smack Talk. It has nothing to do with church planning. And eventually we'll get to some church planning. But you know what I appreciate that? about our friendship, Pete? is that if we're ever tempted to forget that we need Jesus, you constantly remind us. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That reminds me of that phone call I had with you yesterday, and I'm like, I'm going straight to hell. I'm going straight to hell. And you're just like, but for the grace of God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be all of us for sure. And, uh, you know, it's funny, man, because I know we're getting into smack, but just on a serious note, um, I've been so blessed going through the Old Testament. You know, I did uh, Leviticus for through the Word, did Deuteronomy, and now I'm in um, Joshua. And I'm just blown away, man, just reading. And, you know, Joshua is, I mean, particularly from like chapter 15 on, it's a bunch of geography. Mm. But I'm even having fun with that, you know. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know why this is, but like, when I really study the Bible, every chapter of the Bible becomes amazing and, and fantastic to mm. me. And it's it's trippy because I each time I'll be like, oh, when I first look like, oh, this is going to be interesting. And then by the end, I'm like, that might have been one of the best through the words I've ever written. So I'm having fun, man. What book are you doing now? What did I do? Uh-oh. Did I mute? What? What? Uh, oh, uh, there lost you sheep are. to shepherd, lost sheep to shepherd. <laughs> hey, what book are you doing? I muted, I muted you. I muted my, uh, my sound coming in. That's weird. So I couldn't hear you. What book are you doing? Joshua. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. It's, it's rad, man. I'm, I'm loving that book, but I can't wait to get into judges. Cause that's like the superhero book of the Bible. Are you right? doing the whole Bible, or are you still just doing pieces for his 
Man. No, I'm doing I'm doing pieces, but check it out. Like I am I am like on a roll. Like I've got Leviticus. I don't do numbers. I've got Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Why don't you just do the whole Bible? Your whole idea for them. Yeah. Why don't you just do that same thing? He said yes. So so well, the way who it cares works, what he says? You should just do it anyway. I am. I am. One day I will start another podcast that will be all of these recordings. That was the deal I made, as I get to retain these recordings for my own personal use as well. So I get to to put these, if I want to do a podcast, so I've got to go back and do Genesis and, and Exodus numbers, then, dude, I would have Genesis. If I did those three books, I'd have Genesis all the way through to Second Samuel. Dude, that's like... Dude, that's awesome. You know what? You know what I do is I would uh, set that up on archive.org and uh, because you know you basically have a finite number of episodes that you're going to do. Right. And that way it never costs you like Libsyn costs us and we'll always have to pay what? for Libsyn or it'll go away. So just set it up on archive.org and, uh, and you're good. Oh, dude, you totally got to tell me about that. We can talk about that. Petey's not got now, the magic. Petey's oh, got the it. magic. Hey, so um, I got a quick little uh, story for you. I can finally relate to you oh yeah finally you know, about time seven years in man i know i know well you know how like uh when uh, chuck smith passed like that you know rocked you because he was such an influential person in your life uh even though you know it's not like you had him on speed dial or anything you weren't like yeah. that hey chuck it's me you're right 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 um, although i although i i, I am kind of like that with ralph moore these days like it's well, kind of cool, yeah. But like he's but, coming over to my house for a barbecue. Like, that, that's great. Let times? me go back to my story. It's not oh, about you. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna okay, finish it's not my about story. Me. Sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I even went there. No. So, so, um, or you know how like I've always thought people who are like, oh, Michael Jackson died, and they're all like crying. I'm like, dude, it's not like you knew the guy. What? Dan Kennedy, dude. I'm telling you, that one did rocked he, me. Did he die? Um, he's. He by the time this episode airs, he's probably going to have passed. You um, just killed him. No, he killed podcast. himself. He actually uh, he wrote his 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 final letter. He's like, guys, uh, I'm in hospice. Been here the last ten days after or ten surgeries, and he goes complications from diabetes and heart disease. No, he's way. like, I this is my final word. I don't I don't have basically. He's got hours left if he hasn't already passed. So what Chuck Smith was to the Jesus movement, Dan Kennedy is to direct response marketing, yeah, right? Pretty much. Like wow. there's almost no one I know in marketing who hasn't had a major impact from Dan Kennedy on their lives. Well, I mention, you know, like I, I'll mention people if they ask about I'll say, Oh, he was trained by Dan Kennedy, and they're like, Whoa. <laughs> you know, like, wow, you know, yeah. he's he's a big name. Yeah. You know? So yeah. And the, wow. I mean, the worst part about it is I don't, I mean, I don't know, but I don't think he was saved. Right. And, um, cause I never got that impression over the no, years. Nor me, nor me. Just his titles. I kind of figured. <laughs> you think? I don't know what was his. Well, he, he had the one recently, um, that was like no bull, you know, but he, he's well, everything he did it. was no BS. That was yeah. like his, his call sign. Yeah. And there's a like when he got started in his career, he had a photographer take a picture of him sitting on a bull. Like, oh really? How awesome is that? That's you know, funny. but That's um, funny. but yeah, no, I mean, and I think his wife was uh, Catholic, and I think you know he just like didn't like he was he he considered himself an intellectual, right? And just I don't think he he bought into anything. Uh, religious, but I don't know that, right? I don't know the guy, and I certainly don't know what's happened in his life you don't know or his transpired. later days. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. When, when somebody's staring down the barrel of their own mortality, um, one of two things happens: either they dig in and their pride kicks in, and they resist like never before, or there's a humbling, like you know what, I could be wrong about this, and it matters to me right now. It's kind of like um, that analogy that. You know, no one cares about the parachute under the seat on an airplane until, you know, you start nosediving. Then everybody, you know, no, no one's paying attention. Right. When the, you know, the, the oxygen, when the, the, 
the stewardess is going, hey, watch me, pay attention. I, This is what you need to do in case of an emergency. No one cares. Right. No one pays attention. And But when when it all goes down, you know, you, you kind of wish you did. Right. And you, you change it. It becomes real important. So I think relevance is is the key word at the end of, of someone's life. And, you know, I I had this one guy um, when we were at Refuge Long Beach. I don't know if you remember uh, Lori Cicado was an art teacher. And she yeah. called me in and said, hey, you know, this. Uh, and I had been forming was relationships. Was she the blonde? Yeah. She, yeah, okay. And and she, I don't know if you remember, she brought that art professor um, and he was he was known to be a little bit of a, a flanderer and ladies man and was sleeping with a lot of his students and um, I had breakfasts with him I, I I helped him out at his house once doing something and he was just laughing the whole thing off and um, uh, I led him to Christ on his deathbed oh wow and, you know like like was he was he told me I will never be a Christian. Like I will, Peyton, I will never, ever, like they will just not be something. And he was broken, dude, on his deathbed. He was ready. And um, some people say, oh, yeah, he was just scared. No, because when people are dying, um, like I said, that I, I've been around a well, lot. Well, and maybe of they that. are scared. I mean, with good reason, right? Well, exactly. And, and, and the thing is, is that people are, you know, the thief on the cross, like anyone who wants to argue that's not legit, it's legit. You know, because when the thief on the cross, when that started off, the gospel says they were both yep. railing at yep. him. And suddenly that dude, like, all of a sudden everything shifted when he's watching Jesus. And he's like, hold on, this this is not, this dude's not like us, you know. And um, and and so as you, you know, as you look at that, um, I've, I've been around a lot of death, unfortunately, um, you know. Uh, <laughs> You know, from from a young age, man, I've seen, you know, and when I say young age, like 17 years old, working in a nursing home to graduate high school, um, to being an RN at 20, to, you know, firefighter in my 20s. I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of death, man. And, you know, you just, and then as a pastor, um, and I've watched people dig in, dig in their heels, and they're, they're pissed, man. They're angry. They're not coming to God. Screw him, you know? So... So the idea, I think what people do is they think it's cheap if you come to, to Jesus on your deathbed. Well, I'm here to tell you, there ain't nothing cheap. It ain't nothing different. It's just the relevance factor changes. And if that's what it takes to get someone to, to, to place their faith in Jesus and to surrender, because you know when the surrenders happen. It's not, I, I don't do the say the prayer after me thing. Um, I, I really make sure they understand the gospel. This is a surrendering of your soul and your life. And, you know, and on their deathbed, you think, oh, well, you know, their life. No, it's a surrender of everything. It's a surrender of the attitudes. It's a surrender of the, of the grudges. It's a, it's a humility. It's a confession, all that stuff. I, I want to see true, genuine repentance and confession. If I'm, if I'm at someone's deathbed, that's, that's daunting to right. say the least, you know? Yep. I mean, that, that's a, that's a huge responsibility. So, yeah, so it's just it's it's interesting. And I mean, also imagine this. Imagine you know you're at the end. Like I think most people aren't gonna know they're at the no. end. No, it's right. just gonna happen. I mean, it, you know, one of the lines I'm I'm fond of saying is no one wakes up in the morning thinking today's the day I'm gonna die. And yeah. uh it's just it's not the thought that goes through our head. No one thinks they're getting into a car accident, no one thinks they're gonna be in a shooting, no one thinks you know, uh, they're going to have a heart attack. No one thinks that. I mean, you just don't. So how weird is it to be that person who's like, okay, these are my last hours. Like, I know right. these are my last hours. I just, that's a weird thought. It's a weird position yeah. to be in. It's a weird everything. I mean, and and in some ways, I think you're uh, 100% right in that, you know, it's it's the grace of God, you know. It's your end, right? And you have the opportunity to square things up, and uh, yeah. So I, I got to ask an inappropriate question, being that we're friends, and this is the nature of our friendship. Did he give a pitch in that letter? Was it like, hey, last? Yeah, minute, well, kind of. He did. So I see. Kind of. He kind of did. <laughs> It, he wouldn't be Dan Kennedy if he didn't. Hey, by the way, my greatest ever blowout sale. You know, well, limited he, time. He kind of did. He was like, 
like part of his was like, hey, I hope that our tribe continues to stay together and doesn't leave. And, you know, basically, you know, that sort of thing. And then, uh, you know, passing the torch to the new CEO, who's been the CEO for a while now, uh, like six months to a year. I don't know how long he's been the CEO. And, you know, he continued to make the pitch. And there was a link on that Web page to <laughs> become a member, which I yes. thought was and yes yeah yeah come on dan kennedy that would be he dan did not kennedy. disappoint right he did exactly. not disappoint exactly <laughs> and like even this this one uh really well-known internet marketer by the name of frank kern uh yeah yeah he wrote you know his letter he thought dan had already died and so he was like man i can't believe he's already passed and blah 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 because he was so torn up like he actually knew dan and had a relationship right. with dan right and uh and so when he wrote on facebook his his uh you know apology for saying that dan had died he wrote you know hopefully dan will read this and he'll probably be upset that i didn't make an offer <laughs> <in it. laughs> because that is dan right you know right. never ne- never let an opportunity go by where you're not making an offer but so, yeah no uh, it's just it's it's one of those weird things man i finally have one of those experiences where uh-huh. you know a public figure and i'm like oh man Dude, it's the end. It's the end of an era. So oh, I can finally that's, relate that's to a you. Bummer, dude. No, well, it, it's a bummer, a bummer but it's yeah. not, you know, it's a bummer. It's just, it's, it's a bummer. Like there's another guy by the name of Gary Halbert who uh, was probably the best copywriter in the world ever. And he died in 2006. And so I didn't really start studying. But if you want to see what happened next, you'll never believe, you know, (laughs) (laughs) he he died in 2006. So and I didn't get into marketing until like 2008, 2007. And so um, like he'd already died by the time I started getting into his stuff. So it was never like there was this connection of like, oh, he's already died. You know, it was like one of those, which it's different when it's like, okay, this is the guy who. You know, all along the way, I read his books. I went to his seminars. You know, right. I took pictures with him and, you know, all that. And then it's like, oh, wow, man. Done. Over. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like Lloyd Jones, man. Like, I came to faith in, gosh, 87. And he had died six years before he was already dead. And that dude went on to become the most influential mm. yep. um, guy in my life. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, which Lloyd Jones incidentally uh, once had a meeting with Chuck Smith and uh, was heard to remark afterwards, oh, he's a good chap. Nice. <laughs> nice. So, uh, anyways, um, the meeting of those two, that would have been an epic uh, meeting to hear those two guys talk. So, they were nothing uh, alike. Yeah. So. So off the subject, uh, Luke's birthday was Woo, this week. Come he on. turned I can't eight. wait. Can't wait. Up, oh, he turned eight, and uh, we did the we did the thing I hate doing. We went to ah. Disneyland, but first we went to Chuck E. Cheese. Well, we did go to Chuck E. Cheese on Sunday. You I showed did. up for that. That was nice. I did, and and I I liked your line that you gave, which was, um, I said, "Oh, what are you getting, Luke?" And you said, "Why? Well, I tend to wait till he's gotten enough tickets, and then I take him up." To- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> To the my, prize counter. My and, birthday uh, gift's going to be earned. what's ever up there. Whatever. How many tickets you get? That's your birthday gift, kid. Oh, you only have 800? You can get this rubber ball? The, yeah. the, the, the Chuck E. Cheese economy, there's something broken there. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's uh, it's questionable at best. And uh, so it's kind of funny. I, I went to Disneyland. I haven't been there in a couple of years. My family's got passes. I didn't have a pass because I hate Disneyland. As Peyton likes to say, I am the unhappiest man at the happiest place on earth. Yep. And it used to be every other Tuesday. Oh, dude. It was every well when Luke was first born, it was every Tuesday and Saturday. And Jamie now points to that and says, I think I ruined it for the family by making That's you go twice a week. Because <laughs> I remember finally one Saturday, I was like, That's it. This is horrible. I'm never coming here on a Saturday again. <laughs> It's it's like when my six year old gets in a fight with him. I'm never coming to Disneyland with you again. Yeah, that that was it. <laughs> and then be your friend again. And then it was like Tuesdays got really bad. And then finally, I was like, "Look, I am not renewing my pass. I do not want to go to this this hellhole on Earth." And uh, yeah, so 
Anyway, uh, Luke really wanted me to go because of Star Wars land. It's his birthday. So we were trying to de- debate between. Dude, I would have I gone. I'd be like, hey, Luke, I'll be your dad today. Come on. Well, we were trying to debate between do I get the day ticket or do I get an annual pass? And my philosophy is if we get the day ticket, then I'm going to feel like I flushed $100 down the drain. But if I amortize that over a year and never go back, somehow spending you know the seven hundred dollars on a pass just seems better to me. It seems more palatable because there's this. I could always go now. I probably will never go again, but I could go. Right. There's there's the opportunity that I could go. Yep. So yeah, I. Uh, so it's only a hundred bucks for a day pass. Well, because Jamie has a pass, she can buy a, a you know a plus oh. one ticket for a hundred bucks. Oh, cool. They oh, did nice. that because their their attendance is so down. Which I told her your philosophy is. I think Disney's making that up so people will like flood back into Disneyland. And it wasn't. I, well, I don't think so. I mean, I've never seen Disney. I, I mean, I've seen days where it's not as busy, but they're not as busy as like. You know, it's on the scale of like miserable to hell on earth. It's still miserable. Let me put it like this. We went on Star Tours. It took, uh, I don't know, five minutes to get on there. And most of the day it had a five minute wait. What? I know. Oh, I'm going Tours. to Disneyland. Hey, Ben, where are you going? <laughs> we went to, uh, to Star Wars Land, which is what you really wanted to hear about. We oh, went, come there's on. right now, there's only one ride. It's Smuggler's Run, which is um, essentially Star Tours. Without the, the glasses Falcon. in the Millennium Falcon, and you actually participate. It's rad. And did uh, you did you hit the button on the wall when it goes? Boop, 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 well, see, that's the, the thing is okay. The way the button, the way it works is there's two pilots. No, 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 no. Back up. Slow down. Slow down. Okay. Uh, back up. Do it. Tell slow. me everything because you're my first friend that's gone through from the second you walked through the gate from Frontierland into or Toontown, whichever way you went. No, it's not through Toontown. Okay, okay, I don't care. So yeah, it's Frontierland. Well, okay, so you start walking through the Frontierland cave to get to Star Wars land, and it starts out with the old Frontier uh, uh, light posts on the side of the cave, you know, like an old uh, early 1900s, late 1800s light lamps, if you will, along the wall. And then all of a sudden, the cave basically converts to what looks like a, a battle... Uh, burnt out cave with uh with you know star wars lights essentially and um and essentially the like really what it is it's basically decoration it's not like there's a lot to do there it's just decoration yeah and um, we didn't go into the cantina, but that's okay because we got a pass, and I'll I'll ignore it and never go back again. But we could always one day go back to the cantina. We didn't go to the cantina because it had a line, and I don't want to wait in the line. You know, I'm right. I don't like lines, and I don't like the. How sun big of a line are we talking? I don't know. I didn't. I mean, it was. I don't. I don't know because like I wasn't going to eat either. So I do you right. go in the cantina if you're going to do anything other than eat. I don't know. So you can make reservations in there. Do you know that? Yeah, I know you're supposed to, but I think there's like no one there. So they're like, do you have a reservation? I go, no. They're like, okay, no problem. Come right here. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Did so, you drink the blue milk? No, dude, I can't. That's not that's not keto. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. That's not keto. They have <laughs> alcoholic blue milk and alcoholic yellow milk. Oh, is it alcoholic? They call it green milk, but it's yellow. No, it's yeah, green. They, they have they have a spiked version, and then uh, you know your grandma can drink this. That's version. so funny! I didn't know that. Yeah, it's the only place in in Disneyland, uh, other than California Adventure, where you can actually walk around with alcohol. No kidding. The cantina alcoholic drinks have to stay in there. I think is what they're served in. But the uh, and the other thing that they do, so you can tell I watch a lot of YouTube videos. Sure, is the um, the Virgin. Blue and green milk are in round glasses, but if you get them spiked, they're in square glasses. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. So um, they have uh, uh, Kylo Ren's, you know, I don't know what it's called. It's not a TIE fighter, but it's whatever his ship is. Yeah. And uh, and at first looks like, oh, it's a TIE fighter. Yeah, there you go. Looks like, oh, let's go in there. And then we get up closer to it. You, it's a stage, so you can't go in it. But you can take pictures in front of it, which we did. 
there wasn't that many stormtroopers walking around, but uh, I was able to. Well, Jamie actually took the picture of the stormtrooper holding Mackenzie's hand, and so I put on Facebook, "This is how I picture every guy that will ever try and date my daughter. It's a stormtrooper so trying to pick up my little girl." That's right. You're an invader. Get lost. And you can't aim for crap. And you're 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 worthless. You're yeah. Anyway, so um, and then so we saw Smuggler's Run, which. There was, uh, we basically walked up to it and there was literally no line. And so we went in the single rider line because we didn't even want to wait. Well, it said there was a 60 minute wait, but there wasn't because like as soon as we got off, they changed that down to 30 minutes. So it just said 60 minutes because I don't know, they needed to put a number on the sign. So we went in the single rider line and literally walked right on to the smugglers run. And so uh, it, it, it's wow. really cool because you do get to walk through the Millennium Falcon. You do get, you know, to to sit dude, at the, get the chess table. You get I'd emotional. get emotional, dude. I would. I'd start tearing up. I guarantee you. So good that I'm not going with you. I'd be like, <sighs> I don't know this this snowflake. He's I would not even a man. Be, I, I would look at you and say, hold me. Yeah. And I'd be like, nope. Nope. <laughs> and uh, so the way it works is. You're put into these little six-person pods. It's basically the Millennium Falcon, you know, the the pilot seat where Han and Chewie would yeah, sit. It's, it's that shot where they're all in the cockpit. Yeah. That's you guys. That's you guys. You know? So there's six of you. So you have two pilots, two gunners, and two engineers. So good. So the pilots, the pilot on the left gets to go right or left. And, I mean, if they move it back and forth, that's where the ship is going. The pilot on the right goes up and down and they're the ones that throw you into hyperdrive so good that was so were you that one because that i never got to be pilot one i was engineer both times so so who got to do hyperdrive i don't know somebody else some stranger you let some stranger i did the single rider line so i didn't have to wait luke was just lucky that he got to go with me (laughs) wow he might have been off on his own lines cool that's rad I didn't, oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. So, no joke. Whenever I go, uh, speaking of single rider line, the only time I've done that is on that um, Cars Whatever land. it is, the Cars Land one. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, dude. I freak out on that thing. That thing goes too fast for me. I lose my stomach on that thing. I'm really like, my respect for you is going down by the I'm telling second. You, I, hey, I'm not proud of this. I'm broadcasting it because... You know, it, it it's just true, man. Like, I, I do not have a stomach for that. When that thing drops out, I I, I get I have to hold on. <laughs> I have to I have to squeeze a leg. I don't know. I've only been on it once. It's not like a I single really care. single rider line that gets a bit uncomfortable when you squeeze someone's leg. But yeah, you know, well, could could certainly no doubt. Yeah. So um, so you, what happens is, and then the gunners, their job is to like shoot all the TIE fighters and all that stuff. And then the engineers, every time they screw up, a button lights up on your console and you got to hit it to, to fix it. That's how you fix it is you, you hit the button. So the joke is you can either be good at your job or you can pay attention. <laughs> you can't really do both. <laughs> and, funny. and uh, like the pilots, if they don't go up or down, like one of our pilots didn't realize that they actually do control it. So we went through a ship and almost crashed um, and you know, then eventually the computer will take over and put you in the hyperdrive because it's like, okay, we got a loser pilot now. Uh, did it? Uh, did did nobody went like, hey man, come on? You know, no one yelled at him. No, because we were all gonna screw up. It was our first right. time. Okay, and uh, and then as the uh, engineer, we also fire the harpoon because it's basically uh, solo. You know, when they're trying to go after that coaxium or whatever it's right, called. Right. Right. Yeah, on the train. I mean, that's that's essentially what you're doing is you're right. you're gonna go steal stuff. Hence the name Smugglers Run. And uh, so I mean, it was that. it was cool. I mean, it was definitely because I didn't have to wait. Man, it was great. I mean, I still yeah. think Star Tours is actually better. Yeah, I I, Star I Tours is good, it. man. Yeah, and, I enjoy. And they're Star gonna Tours. take it out. Are they? Said they're gonna take it out? Yeah. That's a which sin. is stupid. I know. That's a right? sin. I know. But it's probably because like, hey, it's in we, the wrong land. That's I mean, it's, it. Now yeah. they're like, well, it's this is in the wrong box. So and I think that's it why it was empty. Because if you want Star Wars, you go to Star Wars land. It's right. no longer go to to you know 
Star Tours because who wants to go to Star Tours when you go to Star Wars Land? Star Tours does not disappoint. I'm sorry, but every time I go on that thing, yeah, it's rad. Like I, I get a different one because isn't there something like forty seven like, or something like that? Yeah, like some insane amount of combinations of of what you get. So I've not seen them all. I bet I go on that thing like every time I go to Disney, and if I've been like five times in a year, you know, it's it's, it's been not good, the same one. Yeah, I don't I don't have a pass anymore though. Because it, it, it oh, just really? is expired? getting too expensive. Oh, yeah, yeah dude, it's stupid expensive. Go figure of all times not to to renew your pass we picked this year, right? But uh, so anyways. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and then we went in the store where you can make your own droid. And Luke had uh, all these gift cards. So he wanted to spend the 100 bucks to make his own droid, which which was hilarious to me because... You know, they go, oh, do you have a reservation? Nope. Okay, no problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, the freaking place is empty. <laughs> it's rad. And so we go up. Jamie, you know, pays the 100 bucks with all of his gift cards he got from his birthday. And um, and then she's like, oh, I've got a pass. Do I get my discount? And they're like, no, there's no discount here because this is an experience. And I'm just like dying. I'm like, it's an experience for me to give you $100 and then go build my own toy. Like, right. That's the experience. I mean, it's ridiculous, right. but Disney knows how to make money. Of course. And uh, so then, you know, he picked out all of his parts and we put it all together. And now he's got a $100 droid, which nice. is. Was it cool? I wouldn't spend 100 bucks on it. And I so I just wouldn't. It's, it's remote control though, right? Yeah, but it's like. And it's kind of big. Yeah, but you remember those old cheesy remote control toys that you and I had as a kid? That's kind of what it reminds me of. Yeah, yeah, I got you. So that droid factory, though, looks pretty cool, right? There's like all these like droid legs going around on a connector. Yeah, you pick out what you want. So So you can either make a BB unit, which the lady was like, you basically pick a ball and a head. (laughs) She's like, there's nothing really to put together on that. And then it's like, or you can make an R2 unit. And then you can pick, you know, the body color, the leg color. You can mix and match. You could have like a blue head and a red body I'm and be black so poor legs. When I go, dude, I'm gonna be so poor because I'm gonna be like, oh yeah. And then I got the lightsaber, two hundred bucks. What do you, you think? Know? Oh, we'll see. I didn't even see that. We didn't go to that area because you have to like know where it is and ask for it, or you you don't get to go there. Are you serious? Yeah, it's like hidden. It's one of those hidden things. Oh. Well, and I, I didn't even I know, or I would have asked. Now. I wanted to see the $200 lightsaber, but whatever. So what about, oh, yeah, I guess it's hidden because this is like an imperial colony in it. So, you know, they're looking for like Jedis and rebels. Yeah. So uh, the other thing is, um, did did you eat any interesting food there? Because apparently, oh, oh, hey, thanks for it's that not, metal spork that you smuggled out for me. I do appreciate it. It's that. not keto. I didn't eat anything oh, there. Dang. Dang, dude. Well, they got like, they actually do have a keto option. Did you know that? I don't care. I'm not See, eating. I, go, I watch YouTube. They're overpriced I, food. It's true. That's true. So do you bring your own food when you go? Um, well, actually, I did have a salad at uh, Pizza Planet back next well, to Star okay. Tours. Yeah. That's a good place, actually. So uh, welcome to the Church Planner Podcast, everyone, as we reminisce about the food we eat at Disneyland. If you're new here, you're already gone. So, uh, anyways, um, that's cool. So, like, their food apparently is pretty good. You is know? it? Yeah, apparently. And uh, they do. They have vegetarian. They have keto. They have, um, they've tried to kind of follow the trends. But it's like one item, you know. Well, yeah. So, uh, yeah, in the cantina, you get the one of the old pilots from Star Tours is in there. Um, they, they, they take him out and... Story is he crashed and then they, they put him in there and he kind of entertains you. But, um, the other thing I was, I was going to ask you about, not the lightsaber, but, um, there's a, a you know, this is what I'm disappointed in. When you first went to Toontown years ago, there was a bunch of stuff you could interact with. Like you could push doorbells and they would talk. And eventually these things broke and Disney being Disney doesn't fix this stuff. Right. Like, I don't know if you know, that's like a, a trend with them. They'll start off with some cool features and a line like Indiana Jones Temple Doom used to have the thing you could rattle the bamboo and the spikes would come down from the ceiling um, with the skeleton impaled on it. The guy down the well, he works half the time. There used to be a, um, 
a uh, stone that you would step on, like in the original movie where he sticks the the wooden um, stake in the mud and pushes the pavement oh, down. Okay, yeah. And the dart comes out. They used to have a, a function where that did something, and it's still there. You can still see the the piece. It's slightly different than the rest. And um, and they just stopped doing that stuff. You know, it was like, okay, you know, we're not going to fix that. I don't know why. And then um, uh, Toontown, the same. Like so many of these interactive features in the land disappeared. From what I understand, there is only one piece in the whole park that's interactive. And that is there is a water, um, uh, kind of like a window filled with water. And if you, I can't remember if it's, if you press something or if you do something on your phone, I think there's an app you get on your phone and you press something, the trash compactor monster. It's, oh, it's over top of a drinking fountain. And, um, it's like this tank and it looks like the water's coming from this tank and it's kind of like green and murky. And if you, uh, press something on your phone or whatever, the trash compactor, you know, that little antenna eye comes up out of oh, it. Okay. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Like that would be rad to see. I mean, that's quite a feature. It's an animatronic, but eventually that'll break and they'll stop doing it. Interesting. Yeah. I'm surprised with as much money as they make that they would do that, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So did you see any other, like I said, I only heard of that one interactive feature. I'd, I'd love to know if there's more. I didn't really see any other interactive features. Uh, like I said, it's mostly decoration. I mean, that's right. that's really what it is. You're you're basically walking down through Tatooine. Does it seem small or big? It seems big, which is why it seems like a waste of space. Like it's like where's where's the rest of the stuff? Like I think yeah. they anticipated having just massive crowds through there, so it's really spread out, and it's not like there was that many people. I mean, it was like well, there's that one eh. ride that's coming with the ad ad in it. Right? Yeah, and I don't know where that that is going to be. I, right. I couldn't tell actually. Did you see the Hondo animatronic? No. It's the dude with like the dreads, and he's got that shriveled prune face and goggles on. You didn't see him. He's no. On one of the rides. No. Oh, okay. All right. You know what? That might actually be that ride. It might be because yeah. I didn't see that. I think he's in a. Uh, it's not Smuggler's Run. It's yeah. I think it's that other one. So. Okay, well, cool. Hey, well, I, I was excited to hear about that. I live vicariously through you. Now. And I was oh, just yeah. like, that's why when you asked me, I'm like, I don't know. There's much to say. I mean, it's kind of empty. <laughs> that so so really is empty because I thought that might be a marketing ploy, like for them to go, hey, uh, no, I think first, it's not like, only empty of people, but it was empty of things to do. It's just like look at like literally look at everything. Okay, great. What I've are seen they it. Thinking, dude, they had such an opportunity, and I, I feel like they wasted it. Like what? What do you think? Like delay the opening till there's more to do. Like now, it's I don't think they're going to put anything more to do, other than the other ride. I don't. I think it's mostly just. Ooh, look! Isn't this pretty? Like I really think that's what it is. Uh, I, you know, it's kind of a dud. There's a lot of hype, and everybody makes fun of the lightsaber, and of course the metal sporks and the menus all got stolen, so they stopped Did doing they? those. Yeah. So they they originally had um, metal originally. Uh, Originally, they've already like two months. They stopped it within like a couple weeks because they had these metal sporks. It was the first land you could go to, and there was actually like actual plates. There were like the metal, you know, like when you're watching like Attack of the Clones. I know you don't know what the prequels are, but they're they're sitting there with these metal trays um, in the cargo bay, eating off them. They had those in there. And then they had these metal sporks, and everybody started stealing it and the menus that they would hand you. So now the server takes your menu when you um, order, but people were stealing everything they could get their hands on. So you stopped doing all that. Interesting. Yep. Huh? So not like there weren't things to buy in there. At $150 to get in the park, let them steal a menu for crying out loud. You know, it's like have a spork. Maybe, maybe you just mass produce sporks and you just allow people to think they're stealing them like a, like a smuggler. But, uh, you just it's not like they're them. not going to make a ton of money off of everything else there. Right. right. I don't know. But, you know, you can buy these sporks for like 80 bucks. Oh my eBay. gosh. That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. 
Yeah. I thought the I, I thought the droid at 100 was stupid, but anyway, we should actually get into our topic. <laughs> we probably should. Okay, so today's topic is sporks. Nice. Uh, hey, Doc, uh, can you kick us off? Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Okay, so this comes from a church planner. This is a question that we were given, which is basically, um, hey, should I plant a church? No, I'm teasing. It's not that. Should I hey, plant um, a church? I'm, I'm in, <laughs> to which we answer no. Uh, but the question is, hey, we're, you know, I'm, I'm in a rural community. It's a small population. Um, why, you know, he, he basically said, why is it so much harder with a small population to plant a church? And so our topic today, I want to answer that, but it's, it's, the topic is wrapped up in the answer which is building trust in your community. Because I don't just want to limit this to rural places, although there are unique uh, factors to building trust um, in every place you go. If you go into an urban center, um, there's a trust factor big time. Um, we know that from, from Refuge Long Beach. We came up against that, and we realized where we were failing in that area and where we needed to, to do a bit more work. Um, there's, uh, in rural communities, there's definitely a trust factor in a small town where everyone knows everyone. And then even like in a, in a, you know, like a, a suburban area, there's a trust factor. And so the, the question today is how do I build trust in my community? So, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm to go to the scripture, which I like to do occasionally, the first thing I would say about building trust is you don't start from scratch, right? Like, like obviously you think, oh, I got to build trust. We're as as Americans, we're self made, we're um, self starters. We 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 like to go do things and accomplish, and I can do it attitude mentality. Um, but you know, the can do mentality is going to fail you here because Jesus, you know, kind of gives a little bit. And, and keep in mind when he's talking to the disciples and he sends out the 12 and then he sends out the 72, he tells them, um, don't start from scratch. Pray for the man of peace. Like pray that you borrow that trust from someone else. So the first thing I would say is don't build the trust from the ground up. You don't have to do that. In fact, Jesus says you borrow trust. You borrow trust from the person who's already trusted in your community. And so you pray for the man of peace. And that, that would be the first thing. So if I'm, uh, if I'm in an urban context, which we were in, um, refuge Long Beach, um, do you, I don't know if you remember Marshana. Um, she was a, a single mom. She had a, a little boy named Titus and the, you Sunday know, school. I probably kind of do remember her. I'm, I'm sure if I saw her again, I'd, I'd connect the name. Well, she was, she was amazing. Like, I won't say anything about her past struggles, anything like that, but she was African American and she was an absolute gem. And we didn't realize that sometimes people come to your community. We thought we were doing pretty good. We were helping with the school. And of course we did that school, uh, you know, event, the Christmas event where our, the school that we were at was very poor. The neighborhood we were at was very poor. And um, 50% African-American and, and 30% Hispanic and, you know, 20% um, Asian and white. And so we had um, decided we we're going to do a Christmas event. And little did we know that that was right there kind of building trust because we had, I don't know if you remember that first time we did it, we had the, um, the, the toy drive to beat all toy drives. I mean, we went all out on this thing. And we did that every year we did a Christmas function. We do a toy drive and a lot of people would be crying, these parents, and they'd be like, look, I didn't know what I was going to do for my kid this year. Thank you so much. And it was just literally one of those things like, we're just here to bless you. You don't got to come to the church. We didn't have any, Hey, you know, um, I think we said like, if you want these pictures, it was like on a Tuesday or Wednesday, we said, we'll have them develop. You can come pick them up on Sunday. But you don't have to come to the service. You're welcome to come to the service, but we'll be here and we'll have your pictures because we don't have any way to get them to you otherwise. And um, so that's what we did. And whatever we didn't have from there, we told people, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give them to the school as well. But we weren't there to get people to church. And, and I was very careful 
This started way back when I read the parable of the banquet, where Jesus said, when you, when you do, um, this became part of Pillar's uh, ethos. One of our values was um, we, we don't give to get, right? We, we give to give. We bless to bless. If, you know, uh, God is the one who blesses and we're going to be the embodiment of grace. So we would go and I think I've mentioned before, we go and do, uh, you know, trim hedges and landscape for people that couldn't, people that had cancer or old people that couldn't do that and they couldn't afford a landscaper. We just started connecting with the mayor and saying, Hey, what needs doing? And we'll do it. And, and we told her up front, we said, look, our philosophy is we don't care if anyone comes to our church. This is just what God, um, it's not like we're going to go be do-gooders, but we, we said, Hey, this is the embodiment of grace. And they don't kind of come to our church. You know, if the conversation comes up, we'll let them know, Hey, this is what grace is all about. We'll share with them about grace. When they ask who we are, we'll say, Hey, we're from a church. Um, new in the area, but we're not gonna, we're not doing this to get people to come to our church. And we would make that very plain. Well, what happened was, um, something that, that I think about from time to time where, you know, like in America today, Pete, like we talk about how we're persecuted, right? Like, uh, oh, you know, we're being persecuted by the media. Oh, we're being persecuted for. Normally in America, Christians are being persecuted for being boneheads, right? Just being hypocrites, being being a loudmouth on Facebook, um, you know, saying things that that don't um, in any way, uh, you know, uh, beautify the gospel, uh, which Paul says you you should adorn the gospel with your actions. Um, the 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 fact is is they don't do that. So uh, in the early church, because people go, well, that's you're always going to be persecuted. Well, hold on a second. Let's talk about persecution for a second. In the New Testament, the early church was not persecuted by the community. When Paul talks about persecution, he's talking about persecution from secular powers and persecution from religious powers. When you read the Book of Acts, it says repeatedly that they grew in the esteem. of of the the uh, that they grew in the esteem of men, that they grew in the esteem of the people, that the common people heard them gladly, right? So there's all these repeated refrains that the church, its reputation is good. The people that persecuted them were the religious and secular powers because they were the ones in power and they felt threatened by this movement. But the common people respected the church. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh-huh. So so it's a difference um, to what we're talking about. So so what what happened with us was, and same with um, both Pillar and in Long Beach, is our reputation started growing that, hey, these people are cool. Like, we think you can trust them. They're, they're good people, man. They're out here doing stuff, and they don't want anything from us. You know, like, if, if we find our way to their church, great. If we find our way to another church, they just want us to know God. Like, they're not after our tithing dollars. So Marshana came along. That was a long, uh, long way around the bush to get back to Marshana. Marshana trusted us. And one of the things that, that was really tough for us was at first, we were white. We were all white, right? Like, we weren't, none of us were African-American. But my daughters um, were both adopted, both part African-American. And that, that, believe it or not, in both my churches, when I first adopted Liberty, African-American, African, uh, people of African descent started coming in, in the UK, finally. And, and then in Long Beach, you know, they see me holding a baby that's, you know, part African-American. They, oh, okay, they're not racist. And one of the guys actually said that to us in the park. He said, you know, I was just checking you guys out for a few weeks. Make sure you weren't racist because I saw a lot of white people over here and didn't see any black people. So, uh, what happened was, um, that's a guy who made change out of our offering, but, um, but the, uh, over time, Marshana, what we realized was Marshana came to us and that woman knew her stinking community. I mean, she knew her community. We decided to do the, the letterbox drops. We asked for volunteers. Now we had done this before where we had, I remember one year we mailed them and you helped us with that other times. Cause it was just cheap. We'd go leg it. And one year, Marshana comes, this is a couple years in, Marshana comes and says, I'll go around with you. And she goes, look, she tells us, she takes us aside and she kind of takes charge. She goes, look, this is my neighborhood. Y'all with me now. And she started taking us around. 
and like you know how like you'd knock on doors and they have Long Beach is just filled with like those security screens, you know, where right. it's like wrought iron. You There's know, a lot like of crime and where we were at. So yeah. You so have you a, can't just have your front door open. Right? right. So, but your, your door's open, but it's not open that like, it's a, it's a heavy duty wrought iron gate over your front door. So you can let the breeze in. She go, she'd be up there. Like we, cause she went around with me and she's like, look, I want to introduce you to the neighborhood. And she was like, Hey, Yo, Leon. She'd like yell through like she knew every every door. She'd tell me, Oh, so and so lives here. All the apartment complexes, everything. Boom, boom. She knew everybody in that freaking neighborhood. We went down past the barbershop. She goes, Come in here. We go in the barbershop. She's like, Hey everybody, this is my pastor, you know? And she's telling me, and they're like, Yo, Marshano, what's up? You know, it it was amazing. Such an eye opener. And I realized, oh my gosh, we don't even know this community. Like we don't like this is the person to peace. This is the person. So uh, I would say, you know, you borrow trust. You don't build trust from the ground up. You need to be praying. Like Jesus said, Jesus was a master uh, strategist. He, you know, we we so rarely listen to what Jesus had to say about his mi- how his mission ought to be carried out. And Jesus is saying, borrow that. Um, trust, borrow that authority. There is a man of peace on your street. I'll never forget when I moved on to my neighborhood. Um, first guy to get saved on my street was the man of peace. He was a guy through all the parties. He organized everything. He was kind of like the, the, the neighborhood watch. That guy got saved. And, um, I can remember literally he, he came over to my house. Um, and I had a vision. It was like my first or second time getting together with him. Um, I had a vision. Literally right there, a supernatural vision of him broken down, crying, asking me how he could come to faith. And probably about a year later, it's exactly what happened. But it was like a vision. Like if, if you've ever had a vision, it's where you're talking to someone and you see this whole scene play in front of your eyes right then. And it's, it's kind of stunning. Like TV shows it. Like TV's got it spot on when people have visions. That's exactly what it's like. And um, had a vision of him. He was a man of peace on my street. Now I have three pastors living on my street. It's crazy. My neighborhood's doomed. So, uh, and this has all happened since I, I was the first one. They all thought I was a cult leader until Man of Peace got saved. Mm. So, you know, it, it's really interesting. And, and since then, like other guys on my street have been saved, a sponsored paddleboarder, um, guy's kind of local legend. He's, he was the next Man of Peace, and he's now uh, uh, one of the pastors on the street. He and I tag team that guy into the kingdom. And so it's kind of like, you know, you, that's what you're looking for. You're looking, and by the way, the, the guy's a sponsored paddleboarder. He's in charge of the locals only scene here. So, uh, it's, it's kind of ironic that the locals only guy is the man of peace. And, and so, you know, uh, in a rural community, I don't know if you remember that couple we met with at Exponential years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, Doug totally. and Lisa. You know, we we had um, met with them, and they. I were think in the about world. them often because I remember Doug saying, "Well, I kind of live in this community. It's it's what's called a a prepper community." And now I just think to myself, "I need to move to where Doug and Lisa are. That's my <laughs> See, that peeps. went right over my head. That went oh. right over my head. No, but but you remember they were facing a thing where it's like they came in and they took over. The old church building, they were this new congregation. The old congregation had failed. And this is an early podcast where we actually interviewed them live on the podcast, if I'm not mistaken, didn't we? I don't Didn't know. we kind of like counsel them or maybe we talked about it? I afterwards. remember we had lunch with them, but that's all I remember. Super cool people. Um, like to, if you guys are listening, get in touch with us. Let us know how you're doing. And let um, us know if you need another prepper to come out there and help you reach the prepper community. Pete feels called and led. So, and I'm applying for my Florida CCW as we speak. (laughs) So what, what was kind of cool though, is that they were like, Hey, you know, you, you, uh, I I can't remember. I remember it being like an aha moment for him when we were chatting, like God gave us some great insight with them. But, um, but I remember he at a certain point was like, you know, um, they said, yeah, we got this old chapel building. Everybody's mad because they all been married and buried. And, you know, we're renovating the, the, the newer church building. And I, I just stopped them and said, Hey, um, first thing. So, so they the whole community is mad at them because this new richer congregation came in and took over. I said, number one, first thing you got to do is you got to listen to them 
because what they're upset about is this this old chapel this derelict is you know that you've shut now um you know uh that represents where they got um christened married buried for generations and i knew this from being in wales like this this is people who never went to church went to church for those three things to get christened to get married and get buried and they would never go to church another day in their life but it was like an institution and i said what you guys need to do is send out a a a mailer that says hey we're gonna have a town hall meeting about this building this is your building it might be our name on the deed but this belongs to the community and we in in you know we want to reopen it but we need your help and it doesn't necessarily need to be money you know i mean materials will come in but if people care and and plus it gives you something to to work with them on it gives you a so they ended up opening i know they opened like a clinic because there was a lot of poor people in their neighborhood and healthcare was an issue um this is in the days before the obamacare initiative but um no comment but uh but the the point is that you know that that was the big thing for me is in order to establish trust you're going to have to give to this community with with wanting nothing in return it like you've inherited a landmark in that area it's like a, a it's a place of of great significance to your people uh in your community and you got you got to share it with them and um and that was kind of the so I know you guys are spending all this money on the other part, but you've actually, you know, you've got to look into um, maybe doing some barn raising with the community on this other thing because that's what they care about. Right. Yep. It's funny because, as you said, at the very beginning of this uh, topic, you know, how do you build trust? How do you reach the community right out of the gate? It's funny because the very first thought I had is, okay, that's the same question that every small business owner comes to me with. How do I get clients? How do I, you know, reach this, these people? And my answer is always the same. You do an event. Like you, you do an event. That's how you get to know people the quickest. And you can pull off an event typically in five weeks from start to finish. And that was what you said, like, because you reminded me of the the Santa thing that we did at uh, at Refuge Long Beach and um, and doing the events. And I remember one of the things we talked about with Doug and Lisa was making that that chapel available for weddings and stuff, because uh, that's what the community wanted. And, you know, it's just a great way to, to reach that community. Quit typing. I can hear you typing. <laughs> I'm talking here. Good. I only put yeah. 10 letters in there. I just I, had to tell I someone. I heard all 10 of them. Oh, it was uh, uh, Pete is awesome. Yeah, those were the 10. And so, um, no, but but my point is, is, is I think doing an event and like you just mentioned, doing the town hall meeting, doing all that type of stuff. So like what I tell my, uh, my uh, clients is there's two types of events you can do. And the church, I think, could really take this idea. One is what I call community connection events. And that's where you're doing an event where you're not selling anything. And the whole point is literally to meet people. And so one of the events that we do for that is what I call the family photo event. So think about every church does the, you know, the, well, not every church, but they used to do the whole, you know, uh, family photos here at the church and they'd have some photographer come in and the whole congregation go do it. Well, we would do that just not as a church, but as as business owners, as a real estate agent, as a, you know, whatever. And then we also do pet photo events because people love their pets. Oh, that's funny, dude. And then we do photo with Santa, which is kind of like what we did at Refuge Long Beach. Um, and then we do, you know, uh, wine tasting events. Eh, probably not going to do that as much with church. <laughs> then we do. Yeah, not like there's communion or anything, right? Like wine well, is just yeah. flat out. Yeah, no, this is this is not this is not uh, a breaking of bread. This is uh, let me what just do you th- give a shout out to my Anglican brothers. <laughs> what do you think of that particular wine? Oh, it was a fruity. I don't know. I'm <laughs> not a wine drinker. Gandalf, this wine has a fruity bouquet. But you can do just about anything you want with a community connection event because it's not. It, it has more to do with getting to know people. And of course, in business, I got a whole way for how you follow up and get their information and all that stuff. And parts of that I would do with the church so you get to know the community. But you could do carnivals. You could do like here in the city that I live in, we've got what they call a taste of Los Alamitos. 
and it's a fundraiser and like all the restaurants come out and like you buy a ticket and you get to go taste all the different foods. Um, you can do all that stuff on your church property a lot of times if you have physical property and it's a great way to meet the community. And like if you teamed up with a charity outside of your own church charity, but like a local one that the community cares about, <coughs> excuse me, maybe it's like a uh, an animal shelter. You could even do that, right? Because people love animals. Hey, we're going to support the local uh, Long Beach uh, uh, animal shelter, and you know we're going to do the the taste of Long Beach, and it's yeah. twenty five dollars a ticket, and you get you know we're going to have all these restaurants there, and they all come in and volunteer because the money is going to the. Uh, to the the non then you really get to know the community too right and then the other type of events that we do are, are educational events and we've talked about that too on this podcast where you know let's say you're, you're in an area that's got high divorce rate you could do you know stop your divorce clinics because there's usually one person in a divorce that doesn't want to get the divorce right and and so if you put on you know stop your divorce and it's an educational event and then of course that's how you get to know people and of course you that just leads right into the gospel. So, I mean, there's there's those type of things that you could do, but it's a great way to get to know people in your community. You know, you got a Doug out there with the preppers. Hey, you know, can you put on a, a shooting event or can you put on some sort of prepper event? And it's a great way to meet the community because guess what? Preppers will come out for that. We live for that kind of stuff. Like, that's <laughs> that's our jam, baby. You speak in my love language. You never ask. I know, right? And you really gonna connect with them then. So, you know, yeah, I I think uh I think doing events, that's the way to do it, it's man. It's good, man. It's good. Well, hey, uh if if you're doing all these events, Pete, and <laughs> <laughs> I was just speaking with Josh Henry this week and I was telling him how funny it is that our segues are the worst thing ever. And uh and he was laughing. He's so, he um, still doesn't listen to the show, right? He still doesn't. No, no, but you know, it, it it in a way it's kind of a way of making fun of the the if you ever watch the news, like they're the worst on these, right? Like where they're like uh something like, you know, uh hey uh you know uh boy, I sure am uh stuffed, you know, after that Thanksgiving, you know, where they're like, Hey, today on Channel 8 Local News, we'll talk about how to make a, a, a Thanksgiving dinner to remember. You know, like the news is so dumb, right? Uh, they've just run out of stories or controversy. And then and then the guy will segue the, you know, speaking of being stuffed up, let's head on over to the 405. Back to you, John, for traffic, you know. <laughs> and, and and it's like the worst. And they're always like, yuck, 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 yuck. So Pete and I like to kind of make fun of the ridiculous segues that you see. So if, if you listen to that, to us, it never gets old because people are just dumb. And we like to make fun of that. So, so uh, Pete, after all of this, uh, you know, uh, uh, being stuffed up with turkey dinners and uh, all these photo events and different things you're doing in the community to build trust and relationships. Surely you don't have time to do all the church finances too. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, I don't. And that's actually the reason why I lean on simplifychurch.com. Because when I head over to simplifychurch.com and I talk to Josh Henry over there, I say, Josh, I need you to simplify my church. Simplify church, Pete. It sounds so simple. It, in fact, it doesn't sound like it could be any simpler. Is that true? And it sounds kind of churchy at the same time. <laughs> well, Pete, how would I get in touch with such a service like this? Well, I'm not sure exactly. Oh, wait, here it is. You go to simplifychurch.com. <laughs> well, I'm not really sure. <laughs> if I could only Shout out to what you, Dan Kennedy. <laughs> you taught us everything we knew. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Too soon? <laughs> oh that hurts inside it hurts <laughs> hold me so uh now there's another thing you can relate to me on so uh anyways guys thanks for listening today head on over to simplifychurch.com hey we haven't said this in a long time but if you like the podcast you know give us a five-star review never a four never a three nay nay never twain show you give and uh, we are numero uno, but don't give us a one star. Head on over to iTunes, leave us a review, share it out. You know, share the love, spread it out. If you're laughing, if you're enjoying, if you're learning, hey, spread the love. Let other people know that we're out there. And uh, yeah, that will help Pete and I ascend the throne of world domination in the podcasting world. And we'd greatly appreciate that. 
And then check out From Concealment Podcast. We finally got approved by Apple. <laughs> uh, soon to be taken off the air. So hurry up while <laughs> you can listen to it. I love it. All right, guys. We'll hey. talk to you later. Hey, thanks for listening to the Church Planner Podcast. This has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Excuse you. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Magazine.com.